Hello, everyone. Welcome back. This is Julie Bates with the podcast Training Your Pointing Labrador, episode number 196. And there are so many of these that I've actually had difficulty finding ones when I'm trying to refer someone to so, a topic. <laughs> I can't even find it as I stroll through. And Podbean is the only place that you can actually see all of them listed from one tip to this one today. If you're on Apple or Google or some of the other ones where you get it, it, it limits you to what you can go back to. So if you just go to Podbean, um, just go to their site and look it up there. It doesn't cost you anything. You can get all the way back to my first one was, so you think you want a pointing lab. <laughs> so but we've kind of evolved a little bit. Today's podcast, I decided to do, they had a big, uh, been a lot of people here training a lot of things. And I had, there was a, a question this weekend, it's kind of a series of questions. Somebody, doesn't matter who it is, uh, sent me uh, some videos of their dogs and said, what do you, what do you think? And I'm trying to think of the best way to come up with an answer. And I thought, you know, there's probably a couple people out there that would also benefit from a little bit of advice on, on two things. I'm going to see if I can cover them all uh, in, in a short period of time. One is the kind of kind of good and kind of uncontrolled behavior in the upland field for a dog that's going to be tested and things like that. And then the other one was transitioning from um, pattern blinds over to cold blinds. That's a, that's a big thing. So I'm going to see if I can just, I'm going to answer two listener questions then pretty much if I can. So I'll describe very briefly what this, and it's a pointing dog in the upland field. And what it's obviously highly uh, motivated to hunt, let's just say that. And given the bloodlines of it, it makes total sense, highly motivated uh, to really get out there and look for birds. And so a dog that's just really got, it's like, I don't know, taking an NFL football player about 23 years old. You know, I mean, they just... They just can't work hard enough or can't be in, isn't any more intense than they are. And they've got all the strength and the youth and the, and the, just the hormones and the power and all that behind them. And so it's like, it's a, hard to handle sometimes. And you know, some of the females can be exactly the same way. So it's not a male female thing. It's a very motivated dog thing. And so the dog naturally points. The dog is naturally is very much, uh, wound pretty tight right just you just sitting there vibrating uh getting ready to go not out of fear not out just can't wait and so the energy just comes out in vibration happens out my dachshund does that <laughs> i mean it just they they're sitting there and they're behaving and but their desire just manifests itself as their body just vibrating so in going into the upland field um the dog finds the birds no doubt. And then I saw a little bit of different things. Uh, good point. Stay that way until the handler came over close. And as soon as the handler and gunner got there, man, all bets were off. So even though woe had worked as they were walking up there, there's some woe familiarization <laughs> with this dog. But um, after they're up there, it's game on. The dog is going to gonna go in, move, do something. And then if it's not allowed to, it's going to make noise out of frustration about not being able to do that. 
Um, so I hope everybody understands that. There's a, their description. And then on another bird, um, came on, it kind of backsided the bird or something, and then um, started to chase it. And the response was to uh, yell very loudly, no, and use a, some collar pressure, and finally, and stop the dog. It probably went 20 feet, maybe. Stop the dog, and the dog is standing there vibrating, uh, watching the bird fly away. So it's like frustrating because the handler has the raw material there and some of the experience so the dog does know what it's doing in terms of I'm out there to find birds and I want to you know retrieve them and all that but how do you start to stitch this together so the dog does all the right stuff all the way throughout and it can be it be, can be kind of uh, overwhelming and you know there's different ways there are a lot of there are upland trainers who do all their training in the upland field you know, that's where they're going to teach the dog about birds out there and then teach them about what to do or not do with them. And, and I just, I don't take that approach, not because it's wrong or anything else. I just don't take that approach. I'm just way more of a, of a you know, build it from the basics up. I'm just such a fundamentals person. So that's the only way I know, and that's what I would say with this dog. But before I go into some of the little bit of the details of those things, and I, a lot of people have dogs that are similar to this, highly motivated, really, really wanting to get out there. They can take training pressure. They can take stuff, you know, because they are just really wound for some. The fire-breathing dragon kind of guy. That, in my book, is the kind of dog for which I would never raise my voice. I would never get the high-energy yelling anger thing. Um, you know, I would never scream no at all, at all, about anything ever. And the reason, so that's the first thing I'd say in the interactions with a dog like that, I don't care whether it's out in the upland field or it's going to be on the blinds later on because they have so much energy already just vibrating through their bodies. And then you send them a whole bunch more with loudness or yelling or anger or really high level pressure that may or may not be appropriate when you pour a bunch more energy into them it tends to make whatever is happening worse the last thing a high energy fire breathing dragon needs is gasoline and so all of us that are training dogs like that and i have a few with me the last thing i'm ever going to do is pour more fuel onto that fire. I'm not going to yell. I'm, you know, I'm not going to get angry. And it, okay, it's easy for me not to get angry because it's the zillionth dog I've done like this and I already know how this is probably going to come out. So it's very easy for me to stay calm. If it's your dog and everything's on the line for this, it, you know, it, anger is frustration and all that is a very easy thing to get. However, it is not your friend. It is not helping your training. It isn't doing one thing for you. So if you could develop a ritual before you train, just take a few moments out to just do whatever it is you would do and talk to yourself about, you know, I love dog training. I like doing this. I have a really neat dog and I need to be in control of my real emotions. You can't hide it. If you're angry, they know. And, it, and it's in your voice. And so the anger and the and the yelling and the no and the whatever else, uh, that is a not your friend, not your dog's friend, not training friend. Develop some ritual where at least while you're training your dog, you set that aside. Everywhere, all the time, you will see a difference.
That's the first thing. The second thing is if you break down the dog's behavior as I describe it, the dog is a, is a natural pointer, and they will point until it gets exciting because people are walking up and now comes a bird. And they're not thinking about all the little things that they're supposed to do and all the element. The desire for the bird overwhelms any other stuff. And so if you, again, now the dog, this, this bird flying and dropping is heroin to this dog, right? Heroin field. This is heroin. This is one of the top most feelings and experiences in this dog's life. And so you yell and control, uh, stuff at it generally isn't real effective because the heroin outweighs mom sitting there telling you you shouldn't do drugs. So I hope that analogy makes sense. You don't do that out there in the field. You don't get after them out there. So for one, there's two things that, in, that I saw that I would apply with this dog. One, I would will break this dog. I would teach this dog not in the field. I would teach this dog over a process. And I have three podcasts go back that start from how you teach. And it's not like a real fast thing. I know everybody throws a cord on them or a belly collar and goes, I got this. I have not seen that work. You may teach them you want them to hand, stand still. But when the heroin is dripping in front of them, uh, you know, you better, <laughs> I don't know, you better be, you're going to be literally in a tug of war with them as to what their behavior is going to be. Instead of that, if away from the field, you teach them, one, that woe means stand still, two, that woe means stand still even when cool stuff is going on. Never, if, this is me, just me, other people do it different. Whenever I'm doing stuff like throwing bumpers, throwing birds, saying things, going the bird pen, not one time do they ever get to go get whatever it is I'm using to tempt them. I never do that. In other words, once I say, whoa, you're just done. You're done, done, done. There's nothing going to happen. Otherwise, you have that little ticking clock. Pretty soon I'll get it. Pretty soon I'll get it. As soon as she says, I'll pretty soon I'll get it. I don't let them ever develop that mindset. So the hours and hours and hours of whoa I do, they never get to go retrieve whatever it is. I'm in winter in the bird pen. Certainly, they never get to do anything other than just walk out of there. So go through a woe process. Do it every day. It takes five minutes. And you can do it until a, a live bird out there, gunshots going off. That should be a part of it. I, I would think at these training days that everybody has, uh, the club days, every, that's a great place to go practice for anyone that's doing it because you can shoot guns. You can do stuff. You can use some of the live birds, tie a little string on them, let them be flapping around. Things that you don't do that day one, people. Because you can't teach all of calculus, starting with addition and subtraction math, in one thing. It doesn't work like that. So, and it doesn't do over here. First, just teach them standing. You know, after all the sit stuff we do, stand, they're like, I'm not standing. So you really do have to teach them, not by constantly putting them back up, but by never letting them sit. Learn to stand there. And then learn to stand there while you do stuff, say stuff. Not, Don't send them on a real retrieve. But I like to say, get it, get it, right? I don't have a get it command anywhere. So if I say that, don't go get it. Um, if I said their name or fetch or back or whatever, they'd go. So I never say that stuff, et cetera. I'm not going to get into the rule breaking stuff. But that takes some time. And you, what you would like, want to do, my opinion, is not out in the upland field where the heroin thing is dripping. Do it where there's no heroin at all and they're just standing there. And you begin to condition their mind to do a couple things. One, stand still when you say. 
too. When when they're standing somewhere and temptations are, are offered to them, you begin over time and repetition to develop a pushback to, to temptation. So do that. Now, again, that takes time. That's not this week. That's not this week and next week. That This is every week for a while, every day of every week. Sometime do something so that pretty soon when you, you know, you say you brought out a big cackling pheasant on the end of a, of a big rope string, you know, and they're like, mm, I know I can't get that. You just have a mental pushback that you have basically conditioned into their head. That's how you get those dogs to go out in the Ublin field and do the right thing without you telling them what to do because you have conditioned them to, to basically no longer respond to the heroin dripping. And you didn't do it by screaming, yelling, shocking the holy crap out of them and any of that stuff. You've conditioned them to, when, with great temptation, you just have a mental pushback and even a slight physical pushback, not a movement, but you can just see them just not go forward. That nobody, If you ever do that, there's no downsides to it. You have not, it can't hurt anything. And the vets love it. So uh, that's one thing that needs to happen, and that doesn't happen in the upland field. The other thing that absolutely, in my opinion, needs to happen to that dog is a de-chase. And not a de-chase associated with pointing. Not that. A de-chase that is associated only with the flight of the bird and only with the words here, not no. And I know no is what you're thinking and that no no don't get the bird but what are they supposed to do with no they're like oh the heroin there's this dripping there i really want it oh and she's yelling i don't you don't want that in the dog's head when you you let them encounter birds however they do and when that bird flies for whatever reason they are are immediately called on here i have a whole thing on the d chase the club ought to probably do that sometime have a d chase day for people that want that but what you do is you, you begin to d develop in the dog a response to a flying bird of doing nothing. Doing nothing. Every single dog that passed the Triple Crown last year was a beautiful about that. If, the, if a bird just, if there was just a wild flush or a bird flew over, every single one of those dogs just froze. No handler had to say a word. Nothing. That's how it should be. And it's not by you correcting and fighting them out in the field. It's by you teaching them a response. When a bird flies, this is what happens. So when you get those two things in there on that dog, you, one, won't have to ever raise your voice, which you never should again. You aren't going to have to run over there <laughs> because running over there is what makes them now want to go because, oh, the heroin's going to come dripping down here in a second. So you can stroll over there, don't have to get right by them at all. They know what you're supposed to do because you have taken the time. It's not about pressure. It's not about doing it all on birds. It's about, and that's the easy kind of training. It really is. You can do it in your park, backyard, basement, different places, different stuff. Definitely I would do it on training days. I don't see anybody doing that. There, that's what I would do uh, and fix those problems. They're easy to fix and you're never, and you're just teaching. You're not correcting, you're teaching. There's a lot of teaching that hasn't been done there for that dog yet, that fire-breathing dragon. So he's just winging it and trying to get to his heroin. So 
very methodical, clear, so the dog is very clear. And then after you teach them, you condition it into what their response is. So it just becomes what they do. Then you can go out in the open field and have a, more tools and have to do far, far less. And don't put another drop of energy into that dog by yelling uh, or being angry. Okay. And when you're mad because he's chasing a bird and screaming no and burning him, it's because you haven't taught him. So teach him that, and then you won't ever have to do that again. Part two of that was going from, which I, I will get these two in. And this is a format. I mean, if somebody has some, some kind of challenging question or problem, I'm happy to give it a podcast because I know there's a lot of people that can benefit from some of this stuff. The other part was, okay, I'm going to start running cold blinds. I don't know that people always understand in the head of the dog about what this is. <laughs> they have their idea. We all have our idea. All right, he goes on back. He stops on a whistle. Let's go. I'm ready. And I, and there's there's a little context not there. I, people, we, we all need to understand what this is for a dog. So when we're teaching our dogs, when we force fetch them, right, which is, means we tell, teach them when I say fetch, you have to pick up the bumper. First, you pick it up right in front of you, then on the ground, then further away. Then, and I know there's a whole school of people that just likes to do baseball diamond. Well, I just put piles out there, and I run them back and forth, and pretty soon they get in the habit of running back and forth. Um, most professionals, none that I know, uh, do that because you don't, you're not developing the tools. Uh, when my dog stops at, you know, two-thirds of the way to a blind and, and, and needs to go again, how do you how do you make sure you can make them go? If you've never gone that distance before on your baseball diamond, they may be very distance dependent. So you don't do the baseball diamond. And I know the handler I'm talking to ha didn't do that. You don't have the tools that make transitioning over to challenging handling uh, easier. So if you go through the double T, and Mike Lardy and others have some wonderful videos about that, but that's where you condition them, right, to go on back, stop on a whistle, change direction if necessary. But the change of direction is not the priority. It is the momentum of going, stopping, and going again, generally in an away-from-you deal. That's a greater priority. You do have to be able to have them change direction so they understand that. But that's not the one to do all the work on. Because then they, that's, that's just not the way a dog thinks. You want them to think about, I'm pointing you, there's the picture, get on out there. Overs don't have a lot to do with that. All right, so that's, then after you do that, and I know this handler's done that, then you do pattern blinds. And again, Lardy has a great thing on this, pattern blinds. And that, these are some blinds that are not on your double T field, you know, or in your very backyard. But somewhere where you can go, open space, green belt, you know, I have them back on the back side of my house, huge ones. Um, so real convenient. And th these are known places. They don't change. And you have to have at least three or four. You could have five. And, you know, from at different distances. My shortest one is probably uh, 50 yards, and the longest one is 325. And this is where we go out and drop bumpers at the very end and then teach them where these piles are and then get all the way back to our start. I have little things like angling hills, logs they got to jump over. So I'm accidentally teaching them other stuff at the same time, but they go straight, right? And they go and they stop and they go again. And this is where you practice handling. They have to go where they're pointed and when they know where the piles are, you know they're going to go. 
And if you stop them once, if you stop them five times, um, they learn to handle and then continue on to the, until you both get a real good, clear understanding. And you can have them run whichever one you want. Don't point them on one and then cast them to another. I know a lot of people do that, but that meant you lied to them when you lined them up and pointed them. Because, well, I'm pointing you that way, but that may not be where you wind up. I, there's, you know, I prefer to have the dogs absolutely believe me. When I point them and put my hand down, I want them to have full conviction that that's where you're going. That's how you get the dogs that run out nice and trust you all the time. So don't, don't get tricky on this. That would be my advice. So run the pattern blinds and get them where you can handle. You can stop them, bring them in 10 feet, whoop, bring it, then cast them back. You can just handle them. They get they get used to being stopped, and and again, don't let's don't stop them and then cast them some other place. Let's just get the momentum going, stopping, handling really well. At the same time, you can be doing very simple casting drills. I like them far simpler than everybody else. I'll do two slight angle backs, right and left, and maybe an overs on casting, just casting so that they always turn the right way. But I like the momentum back, not sideways. Right? They got to go sideways a little, but not. that's just because you're 15, yard, 15 feet to the right of the blind and you want to just cast them to it. Maybe that. But not the big old 100-yard overs into the wind kind of stuff. That, that, this is no longer really accepted anywhere. So, And I think you've got all that where you're doing that. All right. So now in the head of this dog, this is really important. The dog is, has been conditioned and understands. When I'm pointed a certain way and the hand comes down and the handler says back, I go. And they might not go perfect, you know, but they do. They know they have to go. And if you're getting no goals and stuff, then you didn't do a good enough thing early on on the forcing part. That's where you condition them when I say back. Whether you're at my side or out in front of me, somewhere, you, you have to go. That needs to be done well. If you haven't done that well, you, this will be a nightmare. So the dog needs to go and stop when they're told. You don't sit there with the electric collar on back and turn them into a piece of dynamite. Don't ever do that. Don't, don't make sure you got the go and the stop so you don't have to do that. And now they know about running blind. So now you're going to start teaching them to run a blind where they, this is the first time, they've always known where the bumpers were. On the double T, they, they knew where the bumpers were. And on the pattern blinds, the first couple days, you taught them where the bumpers were. So in this animal's head, they have always known where the bumpers were. So now we're going to start transitioning them to going on a blind retrieve, and they don't know where the bumper is. Right? That's not a big deal to us. It is for some of these guys, it's huge. And for some of them, it it's, doesn't take long. So you got to find out what they are. And you have to make sure that every single thing you do at this stage is very clear to this dog. Don't teach three things. Teach one. So you've taught them to go and stop and believe you on the handling stuff. So a, a way to do this that's going to be easiest on you and the dog for all new people transitioning over to what are called cold blinds, that is blinds where they do not know where the bumper is. So wherever you have, don't don't do cold blinds right where your pattern blinds are, right? Because they have known spots that they've run to a lot, and that's where they're going to go. So now you've got to go somewhere different. You have to be aware of the the wind is a huge factor. Dogs like if you. 
downwind is the easiest way to get them to go. If the wind is at your back, right, that's the easiest way that they will run out away from you and continue that way. Dogs will run very nicely downwind. If they run upwind, you know, one, they don't, they don't run directly into the wind because that's, they don't gather data that way. They like to take a little bit of a crosswind. So they're not going to want to run right into the wind. Or then they're going to win the, the blind from 50 yards away. And now we're not running a blind. We're hunting the blind. So you don't want to run into the wind. The easiest thing to do is, is the day you're going to go do some cold blinds, make sure you see what the breeze is. And take that into account because that really affects a dog new to this. And you have to train them to fight the factors of crosswinds and all that stuff. So make sure that, okay, let's do, do at least three. Don't do one. Always do multiple ones so that they don't think, I only have to do it once and we're done. Because they will, I've had dogs where people train them that way and I couldn't get them to run two blinds. So do at least three and maybe four. You know, I think Mike recon re uh, recommends like up to six. Just takes a lot of time. So on day one, you're first going to do this. And these are cold blinds, right? So it's not somewhere they've been a bunch or no, or think that there's a bumper. So take, take your, let's say, three bumpers. you got three bumpers. So take your dog out with you from the line, from the line. Walk out. Um, let's do, I don't know. I... It's different with different dogs. Sometimes I, I want to put the first one down as the first one I'm going to get, um, which means it's the hardest one to remember. So maybe you, you want your first blind you run to be the easiest in terms of the wind and the terrain and stuff. Straight downwind, you know, straight across something, no angly stuff, and, and just straight down the wind. So that'll be the last one you put down. So have a kind of in your mind where, and mark them, because if you don't know, remember where they are, then you're both going to be frustrated and mad. So take a little something, whether it's a stick that looks like a branch. You know, I, I put little orange flags, and my dogs learn those. That gets helpful. Then I take them away. But So I'm going to put three of them out. So walk down to what's going to be um, the last one you pick up, maybe the furthest one, short, longer, longer, when you do this kind of stuff. Um, so go out, walk out on what's going to be the line to that, third one you pick up take them with you toss a bumper down let him pick it up toss it back down so now he's been there right and then walk make sure there's plenty of separation not like not like you don't need 90 degrees but enough separation that they, that they can differentiate different places and then walk gonna do a lot of walking walk over and put in the second one's gonna be a little shorter and and um, put the let, set the bumper down, let him fetch it right there, put it back down, and then walk over to what's going to be the first one that you run, the one maybe the straight downwind. That's going to be the easiest one. Set that bumper down, let him pick it up, set it down there, walk back. Now, don't do all of these at 100 yards. Ha teach your dog um, that some are short, some are medium, and some are way long, like, way, like my longest one's 325. All my hunting dogs do that. All my competitive dogs do it. I want a dog to be able to go wherever they need to go to get a bird for whatever reason. So start right now. And yes, start on a dog right off the pattern blind. It may take you, you're going to be doing some walking. That's always good. 
So you, you just put the third one down, let them pick it up, put it down, come walking back, turn around. Have If you have a cue, do not yell, do not be anger. Calm or just calm. Come back, make sure it's pointed straight, put the hand down like you've done on the pattern blinds. Say dead bird if you're cueing or whatever. Or, And then you got to let them know, you know, hey, nothing, you didn't say anything. You're, this is a blind retrieve like we've been doing. Say back and send them. Now, he might just run right to it. That's great. Don't handle them. Don't handle them if they're going right at the bird. Because every time you stop your dog on cold blinds, it's because you have to change your direction. So when you stop a dog that's going exactly the right way, and then you change, you, they're going to change their direction. Then you're mad because they're not going where they're supposed to go. So if he runs all the way to it, great. If he gets off a little bit, stop. Don't go fast. He should sit there for 20 seconds if you need it. Sit is a sit. Needs to be facing you and needs to wait. Cannot anticipate. Don't let him wait. If he's getting you know, nervous or something, walk closer. Cast, get him back to the... And then good dog, bring him back. Now do that on the second one and the third one. If they take off a slightly wrong direction, that's okay. He went. The priority at this point and always actually is they go and they stop and they go again. That's your priority. How well these blinds are run is could be all over the map. They could be unbelievably great. It could be horrendous. They go, they stop, and they go again. That's all you're going to ask of this dog. If you have to walk out to be a little closer to keep confusion from happening, um, then do that. This is a lot of work. So you get all three blinds, come back, throw some happy bumpers, tell him he's a good boy, put him up. Then the next day that you can, a different place, because um, they're cold blinds, right? Do the same thing. Walk out there. Make sure you take the wind and the terrain into account. Start easier. Make them more difficult as they go or longer. Go walk out there with them. Now he doesn't have to pick them up. Just let him see. Toss them out there. Make sure you mark them so you know where they are. And if the flag helps a little bit with them, that's fine. Come back. Run your blinds. Right? And don't run them randomly. The downwind one, then the total crosswind one, then the semi-crosswind one. Always always take the wind into account or the distance shorter longer longest or downwind slight crosswind more crosswind because we're trying to teach something at the same time so dogs have to learn to fight a crosswind they have to learn to deal with it and it takes patience and time and you have to be aware that that's what's being experienced out there by the dog the wind and the terrain is just yelling at them tell, tell calling them this way pushing them that way be aware of that well, ultimately, you have to be extremely patient, and you have to do a ton of this. When I was doing it with G and her sister, when we got off the pattern blinds, they loved that, man. They'd rock it out there. And we start cold blinds, and I had some really great days. And I had some days where it's like, I thought these were good dogs. I don't even know. And, and they're terrible. You know, just terrible. I was walking all the way out there, and I'd have to, like, throw a dirt clod because one of them got stuck and just wouldn't cast. So I'd throw a dirt clod, and then you get them to cast. And I would do whatever it took. Now, 
they run the, all the blinds that any of the master dogs do. They, they run all of them, and they don't even know they're hard because I just went out day after day after day and did blinds all the time until pretty soon they got so used to it and so good at it, and then they just went straight, and they stopped, and they took casts. And, and so that's the key. It's a lot of work. You've got to go different places. You have to be patient. Again, if, if, if you, the dog gets stuck, and stuff happens. They're not us, right? Everybody, they're not us. They, they don't have our brains. So sometimes when you're running cold blinds, they just freeze up. Their mind goes blank, something. They're just uh, over their head in what's happening, and they don't know what to do. And they're not thinking about it like we would. Well, I'm not sure here. I'm th they're just like lock up. So anger, electricity is never the answer to that. When you start this, have some put a little some gravel in in your pocket. If the dog's just stuck there, you got one of two things to do. You can either just throw a rock in the direction that you you need to give them a cast to go toward the blind. You throw a rock, and that usually kicks them off, and they go. And then you can continue to handle them. If that doesn't work, I always carry an orange bumper in a pocket. And if I can't, the dirt clod just, the rock always works. But if for any reason it didn't, you take out a bumper, you throw the bumper in the exact direction where the blind is, you cast them to it, you meet them out there, put it in your pocket, continue to cast, and usually they'll go again. So in other words, you find the ways to get them bumped through the really hard, confusing things. It's never anger, and for heaven's sakes, it's not frying them with a collar. It is not, because they're confused. And they don't understand because this is a tremendously unnatural thing that they're doing. So if you can do that many, many days, you know, ideally every day, quit your job, just train your dog. But if you can do it almost every day, in a matter of a few weeks, that dog starts to run blinds. They won't be perfect. They won't take off in a perfect thing all the time. Sometimes they'll go out there and pop if they're feeling particularly unsure about something. They, popping, right? For people that don't know, that means they go out and just sit down. Like, I don't know, tell me, right? Don't start burning the crap out of them for that either at this stage. So, it, or, and don't ever for that. But if they're popping, as soon as they start to turn around and sit down, all right, let's say you're facing, you're facing your dog and they're going to pop and they're going to turn to, to the right. Then you, right, they're turning to your right, which is, of course, going to be, let's see, they're turning to your right. So it's going, you're going to, Gonna make sure when they're okay, they're running this way. If they're starting to turn over to their right, then you're they're coming towards the right. You're going to throw up your right hand and just say back and just unwind them. Don't let them do a full circle and teach them to spin on these things. You're gonna unwind them. They're turning to the right. You put your hand up, right hand, and say back. We're we're just gonna go. No, no, keep going, bud. Just keep going because they're confused. They're not refusing right now. They're not doing all that. Don't you can develop so many problems right here by putting pressure where they don't understand. So work a little bit harder. If, if the, he's running out there and then he's going to pop or something and he's turning to his left, then throw up your left hand back, kick him off, get him unroll him and keep him going. So try to just work him through the pops. The repetition and the large number of these things that you do is what's going to make him have a lot of confidence. So there you go. Those are those two things. Um, so it's just teaching just a bunch of teaching you've got to do but I'm going to when uh, keep the energy for this particular dog 
or any of the fire-breathing dragons. Keep the energy coming from you down. So if you stop them 40 feet in front of you, a very quiet whistle. Not one of those big old screaming things. The loud whistle is for when he's 250 yards out there. That's when you got to have more decibels so he hears it. All right? But not a loud whistle. It's just like yelling. A loud whistle is just the same as yelling. And so quiet whistles, nice calm body movements, never getting angry because... Uh, it's a heroin field out there and you got to understand why they love it anger does not does not help you going back to basics teach them what you expect practice condition it in make it second nature go back out don't have to get mad so be that's another thing to be cautious of so that's today's i hope that's helpful um it's it, it's hard it's hard to take them from the you know they have they kind of have the basics but now i need to get up to the big leagues when you haven't done it a lot, that's a hard road to get through. Um, but if you ever find yourself angry or pushing buttons, stop. Because that is not how you teach. So that's that's today's 36 minutes. Kind of went on. I hope it's interesting to a few of you. hope it helps a little bit. And uh, no G reports because we're just sailing along, getting ready a month now for our first competition. Um, helping to keep it all together. I wish everybody the best. Stay healthy. Stay safe. Come on springtime. And uh, G and I will be back soon.